Your soul is at war with lies. And you have no choice but to fight. Lies have shaped us, told us who we thought we were, held us captive. Lies from outside us, lies from within us. Truth is reality. And when we live at odds with reality, we cannot thrive. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth can be known. The truth will set you free. It's time to take back control of our minds from their captivity to lies. To liberate them with the weapon of truth. It is time to fight back in the quietness of our hearts. To stand in the truth. To live no lies. Good morning. Yeah, we're in week three of our series, Live No Lies. Uh, who, who's been here? Who, who's, been, who's been a blessing to so far? Yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. It's been challenging. You, you heard some of that slides right there um, that Logan put together. Not me. There's a way more creative Logan. He's the one behind all the, all the cool stuff you see. Um, but, but we've been talking about this idea about how deceitful ideas often become into disordered desires and behaviors, and it's led to um, some of the brokenness and the sin that we see in our world and told the first service, but it doesn't take long. Turn on the news for five seconds. You're like, man, that's about enough. Man, that's pretty depressing stuff right there. And we've talked a little bit about um, how often our beliefs about who God is and my purpose and um, who am I, my identity, often those beliefs, if they get distorted, they become maybe distorted behaviors and they often lead to who we become maybe slow decisions, but they are important ones. And lastly, Bob told us last week to think about our thinking, right? That was our homework, to think about our thinking. What are the things I'm thinking about? What are the things I'm feeling um, really deeply? And what are those things that bring up a lot of emotions in me? And is there a lie behind that? And if so, was there a truth? So I did, I did my homework. I did my homework. I hope you did too this week. I was beginning to do that. Um, I keep a little journal in my pocket at all times because I'm not very smart. Um, and I will forget things. And so I just keep in my back pocket. And as I was thinking and feeling things, and man, I felt a lot this week and um, highs and lows. And man, I had to be like, man, there's a lot of lies that I'm believing. And, and do I know what God's word says? Do I know what he says? Is the truest thing about me what he says, what he's already done? And so a question that came up for me as I was doing this work, and I'm curious what it is for you, but I had this question. How do we get truth deep in our hearts? Because change is hard, y'all, right? Changing is hard to change our, our habits and our, our patterns of thinking, our mental map as, we've, as Bob's been laying it out for us. Um, it's hard. And how do I get it deep in me? Not just simple and um, just trivial answers. I don't want to just have a Bible verse just to um, just kind of cover up like a Band-Aid. But no, how do I get God's word and how do I get who he says I am deep into my soul? And so I, ha- I had three things I came up with. Are you ready? This is how I think we do it. Ready? Three pointers, deserts, and bedtimes. Okay? Before everybody runs out of the room thinking I'm a heretic, give me a few minutes, okay? Three pointers, deserts, and bedtimes. Okay, let me explain. Um, 
I, I love basketball. It's, I don't know, it's, it's, probably, it's, pre, it's pretty high up there outside of my family and the Lord and his word, but I love hoops. My, my party, my, uh, uh, what do you call them, party trick is I can kind of name every basketball player in the NBA and where he went to college or if he did. I don't know why. It doesn't help me for anything. No one's gonna ask me, but I just hear it when I watch a game and I'm like, okay, he played at Villanova, great. You know, and I know that the rest of my life. It just stuck in my brain, okay? So, fun fact about me. Three-pointers. Some of you guys uh, might know, recognize this guy on the screen. This is Steph Curry. Um, he is a, our middle schoolers know. I know Colson and Mason Allen, a lot of you guys, you all know who that is because this is who their favorite player is. This is a lot of our younger generation's favorite player. He's a four-time NBA champion, uh, two-time MVP, leader in three-pointers. Some of you guys are like, I don't care at all. Um, he met his wife in his youth group. Shout out to youth group. Um, high school sweethearts. They got three wonderful kids. He's got a big deal with Under Armour. Some of our Bobcats will be wearing his signature shoes if you go see a basketball game this winter. Um, highly successful guy. He's, if you know Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, he, he's, he's blown their records out of the water. He's going to be the greatest shooter of all time if, if he isn't already. Um, I to see some people are excited about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people are big Steph Curry fans, right? Believer. He's a, it seems like he's a great guy. I don't know him personally, but he seems great. Um, but he's a great three-point shooter, right? He, this is what he's known for. If you're like, in my day, we packed it in the paint. Well, I'm sorry. He kind of changed the game. You know what I mean? Some of you guys are like, I don't know what that means. But you know what I mean? Like, he really changed the game. He's not, we all can't be LeBron James, 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", all these big guys. Um, he's about 6'2", 6'3". And he knows how to shoot from really far out, right? And what's really interesting about him is people always say, how'd you, how'd you become this player? How'd you get, be really good? And, and he would say, it's because of the worst summer of my life. And the worst summer of his life, in his words, is between his freshman year and his sophomore year in high school. See, in high school, he was really small. He was about 5'6", I think like 130 pounds or something like that. Really small kid. And his dad, Del Curry, was an NBA player himself. And he said, hey, son, the way you've gotten by so far, it works for you, but it ain't going to work for much longer, right? So since, since he was small, if you know anything about shooting, he had to kind of really bring it from his hip and he had to try to throw it up high. But as you progress in the next level, they're going to block your shot like I do the middle schoolers every youth night, okay? <laughs> and high schoolers, don't bring that stuff in here, man. Don't bring that weak stuff in here. I got no shame, no, no easy buckets on me, okay? And so his dad was like, hey, I got, to, I got to give you a real hard truth. That ain't going to work. It got you through high school, or, you know, uh, middle school and freshman year, but JV varsity, you ain't making it, man. So you got to, so began his hardest summer of his life in his own words. And you know what he had to do? He had to get back to the basics. And so rather than bringing it up here and using his whole body, he had to bring it up high and he had to start in close. Everybody who's shot a basketball, you know that you have to start in really close to get good consistency. You start really front in the rim. And he would tell you, he says, man, I'm, I'm so much better because of that summer. If I didn't start there, and he said he was terrible at it. Like airballing, he said he was crying in his driveway, you know, and his parents kept saying, you gotta keep working. He said he would go to basketball camps and people were like, why are you playing? You're terrible. You know what I mean? And think about it. This is the greatest shooter of all time. And he had the summer where he had to get a dose of reality, Right? He had a truth bomb dropped on him where it's like, hey man, that's not gonna work and you gotta figure it out. But what's different about that, his dad could have just been like, hey, you're bad, figure it out. That's truth, right? It was true, he needed to figure it out. But he often talks about his relationships. 
about how his mom and his dad were actually out there with him. So there's a picture right up here of him with his dad hugging him right after he had broken the NBA all-time three-point record this year. And see, it started in that driveway, y'all. It was his dad's presence in the driveway that led to that moment. Because it said his dad would come out there and he would, he would practice on me. It said like his mom would come out and like D him up, you know what I mean? <laughs> he had to like score on his mom, then could he score on his dad? And like, because like if you couldn't get over them, it probably wasn't going to happen. Thanks, Capri. Appreciate it. Friends, we need truth, but we also need presence. It's in the environment when we're changed the most, right? When we have deep relationships that change us, but also the truth. Jesus says this in John 4. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father, and here it is, in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the fathers seek. I want to talk about that this, week, this morning. How do we get truth deep in our lives? We, we've been talking about that. You heard it in the video. Truth is reality, right? When you go against truth, you get splinters, Right? It's a reality. It is a fact. If, you drop, if I drop something heavy, it's going to fall. It's gravity. It's, it's out of my control. That's a reality, right? We know that we, as believers, we believe God's word is true, that what God says is true, that he is. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's about as clear as it gets, y'all. He's the way, he's the truth, and the life. But what is this word spirit that I can't spell correctly? You know, West Virginia was 49th in education. <laughs> But I was top of my class, but I don't know if that says much there now. All right. Spirit. Spirit. It's just like old English. It's okay. I was just thinking there. That's good. Thanks for being kind, y'all. Spirit. Glad I caught it now. Spirit. Spirit is, as Gordon Fee says this, he says it's God's empowering presence. God's empowering presence. Guys, we need God's presence to change us. Yes, we need his truth. We need the word, we need that, but it's in that combination of presence. And we all have had these moments where God's presence has been so thick in our lives. It's, it's him having an encounter with him that really changes us. Friends, I think if we want truth to get deep in us, we need God to meet with us again. Some of us have these big emotional moments, maybe it's at camp or a moment, maybe it's in worship, but how do we have God's presence in our lives daily? Paul says this in Romans 8, he says, the mind governed by flesh is death. We're going to talk about flesh next week, but the mind governed by the spirit is here this, life and peace. If we want life and we want peace, there's this connection of we need God's truth, but we also need his presence. It's the only, it's a catalytic environment for which us to change. Because this is what I see as a pastor. I see people throw verses at things like, like, a, like a Band-Aid. And they try to like add that in their life or they even sometimes they use it almost like as a weapon. You know, they weaponize it and they're like, oh, well, the Bible says and they say this and it's like, it's, not, it's actually said kind of, there's no relationship, there's no love in that and then it's, it just seems harsh and that's not who Jesus is. Friends, I want to point out, if you, I don't know who you've heard Jesus to be, but Jesus is the perfect balance of relationship and reality. Relationship and reality because you re, he, is, he is truth. It's who he is. What he says I mean, he said, I, I, I'm the way, the truth, and life. God, he can't lie. But also, he's not a God who's far off and distant and unknowable, but he's actually here and present. In a few months, we'll sing about Emmanuel, God with us, and we celebrate a, a God who, who didn't just stay on his throne, but actually came and, and walked the walk that we have to live. And that's why we make a big deal out of Jesus in this room and online, and we, we want to make a big deal of him because he's the one 
worth surrendering everything for. He's walked our road. It says this in Hebrews 4. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize, excuse, excuse me, with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. Just like Jacob said this morning, where we've fallen short, Jesus never did. He's walked this road, but he never sinned. And folks, he, he conquered death and he did what you and I could never do. And that's to pay for all the sin in our lives. He's the one worth giving everything for. And so if we want to become more like Jesus, if we want to look more like him, we need to worship him in spirit and truth. But the same is true. We've been talking about this formation, this idea of how are we formed into God's image. The, the reverse can happen too. And this, is, this, is, this leads to Jesus, right? Or his image. And the same is true of our enemy. And the enemy, as we've been talking about this past few weeks, Satan uses isolation and lies. And this ends up being deformed. Folks, we, we, we are never standing still. We're either becoming more like God or we're not. What we intake, what we think about, what we say, what, how we're entertained, it's either, it's either building us up into Jesus, more like him, or it's taking us away from that. And so I want to talk about isolation lies. We've talked a lot about lies. It's the opposite of truth. We know that the enemy uses them often. He uses things that are, are just really personal to us. A lot of times it's rooted in our story or experience or an insecurity we might have. He knows us. Enemy knows how to kind of poke and prod us, but he also comes at us in isolation. This is how I know that. Has anybody decided to rob a bank with their grandma? Maybe you, maybe you got a crazy grandma. I don't know, but I haven't, right? Or maybe did you guys like at Thanksgiving dinner decide to like conspire and like embezzle a bunch of money or something. Again, maybe a different family dynamic or, or no one after leaving a Bible study goes, you know what I want to do? I want to commit adultery. It's, it's true, but, but I have heard hundreds of times in my office of saying, well, you know, I was by myself and I was on my phone for too long and, you know, I ended up on this website I probably shouldn't have. I've heard that a lot. I've heard this, well, you know, I just started to like, you know, just dabble a little bit in this and, you know, pastor, now I, I don't even know how I got here. See, friends, our enemy comes to us when we're alone and we think no one's watching. Often that's the times where you and I, we, we fall into temptation, right? It's generally not in a room full of people. It's not in good community. It's by myself because at, in those spaces is when I'm most vulnerable my wife is a therapist. She's told me time and time again, she said, you know, Logan, so many of my clients, they have a hard time with being alone. They have a hard time being alone. And that's when all like the things that they're struggling with, anxiety, depression, self-harm, self-harm. Another one, it's, it's, a, it's a, a pandemic of itself with our kids. And it's always done in hiding in secret and by themselves because those lies come and say, you should do this. You'll feel better, Right? The enemy uses isolation in life. Friends, how we need God's truth deep in us and we need to fight back like that video says. We need to fight back against our enemy. We need to know what is true because these lies are ruining our lives. They're costing us everything. I've heard it said that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want. It's true. I've never heard someone be like, Logan, I've had 
the most unadulterated life in my life. And I've just, I've just lived as total debauchery and I just have no regrets whatsoever. That person may exist, but I have not met them yet. I've had a lot of people come off and say, Logan, I've just done this, 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 and I'm so heavy with guilt. And that's the weird thing about lies is it promises something that it can never give. How do we fight? Friends, if you hear nothing else, we fight through our spiritual practices. I want to talk about real practical ways. Some people, some people call this disciplines or practices. This is kind of some old church history here a little bit. If you, I'm a history, history major. I love history. But if you look at how our earliest church mothers and fathers, how they fought and how Jesus himself fought, that's why I want to spend most of our morning. How, how do we fight against the enemy? How do we fight when these lies come? How, what does it look like to fight? We're going to be in Luke 4 today. If you want to go to Luke 4, it's going to be on the screen as well. Luke 4, verses 1 through 13, Okay. Once you're there, we'll get started. I'm going to read the first couple of verses here. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Let's pause right there for just a quick second. Jesus coming off a high moment, right? Leaving the Jordan. That's when he's baptized. How many times in your life have you had a real mountaintop moment with God, and then the next day all of a sudden there's some temptation? Boom. You're like, man, that was a quick valley. What happened right there? right? Good. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Come out, man. This is my son who I'm well pleased. I love him. He has this amazing moment. It says he left right from there, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit into a desert. 40 days, no food. Satan comes knocking to tempt him, right? He's guided by the Holy Spirit, right? He's, he's going to be led by the Spirit and he's going to be with God, but yet he is hungry and tired and worn down. Verse three, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all of their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and, and, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered a third time. This said, do not put the Lord your God to, test, to the test. When the devil had finished, I love this phrase, all, all this tempting, <laughs> all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. That's our savior, y'all. That's who we make a big deal of, Jesus. How did Jesus fight? We see him, I wanna, I wanna unpack this a little bit here. What do we see? What, what are some of these things that the enemy does? He, I love how the lies, what does he say? He uses if statements. He's like, well, if, if, if you're God, if you're really who you say you are, Right? How many, how many of you have had a lie this week that felt like that? Sound like that. Well, if you're really a believer, would you really be here again? Well, if you really wanted to provide for your family, you should work 80 hours this week because if you really cared about them, that's what it would look like. Or maybe it's, if, if you really, it, would just, it won't be a big deal, but if you just steal just a little bit of money, just a little bit, no one's going to see it. These if statements, the enemy comes at him. He comes at his physical needs, Right? Ask him about bread. Are you really hungry? There's a temptation for us in our moments where we could say, God, I want to take care of my physical needs by myself. 
And that's what the enemy says. He says, hey, why don't you just turn this rock to, to bread? If you got that ability, let me know. That sounds pretty in- cool. But he's tempting him. He's saying, hey, why, why don't you take matters in your own hand, Jesus? Why don't you provide for yourself? Why don't, you don't need God. Why don't you provide for yourself? Jesus answers and rebukes him with scripture. Secondly, Satan takes him up to a high place and says, hey, I'll give you all of this. This is all of yours. Even though we know Jesus will be worshiped, right? We worshiped him this morning, but he, he wants to kind of expediate that process. He said, but if you just worship me now, I'll give you all of this now. Isn't that like the enemy? A lot of scholars believe when you look at that passage, Satan doesn't even have the ability to give him those things, but he's lying to him. So he's like, hey, I'll give you all this. It'll be great, right? But again, isn't that what the enemy does for us in our lives? We're like, this will bring me life. This will bring me satisfaction. This will make me feel fulfilled. And on the other side of that bender or that affair or some other sin, we feel still empty, broken. Sin did not promise what it did, what it said it would do, right? That's what we find time and time again. But Jesus, again, answers with scripture. Third and finally, there's this idea, I'll write that down. So he, he attacks our physical needs. He also talks like our, um, um, he wants to speed things up. Make it happen now. We don't want to wait, right? That idea. And lastly, he tells him to test God. He's like, well, hey, he says, actually, doesn't God's word say this, right? He even takes a, a Bible verse and he construes it. And he says, well, this is what the Bible says, duh. Come on, Jesus, you, you, come on, just do this. But he's, he's, he, Jesus knows better and he says, you don't, you don't tell God. I, I, don't, I don't get to dictate God's timing. I don't get to test God and try to strong arm God into helping me, right? And so he calmly talks to Satan and it seems that he rebukes him every time. Now I wanna... I want to talk about a few things because in this, in this passage, when I read this as a, as a child, I always imagined like this, like the epic battle of good and evil, right? Did anybody else hear that in Sunday school? Like I, in my mind, I kind of had like this Arnold Schwarzenegger versus predator kind of idea of like, I don't know why, but I just like, that seems like the most pivotal thing for a teenage boy. At my, my time, I was like, that was what it was. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like that's actually how Jesus fights the enemy, right? It's not with just like a, a wrestling match for, for all of humanity, but it's actually Jesus in the desert, right? And the enemy comes, and how does he fight? This is what we want to talk about. How Jesus fights is an instruction for us of how we're to fight. How Jesus fights, first and foremost, he has silence and solitude. Silence and solitude, right? It's, it's, he's going, he has intentional time. It says he is with the Spirit, led by the Spirit to go out and be with God, right? He's going out there before, this is before all the ministry starts, before all that, he's with God, with the Father in the desert. Henry Nowen says it this way, solitude is not a private therapeutic place. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusion of the false self. Just like I said, some people struggle so bad with being alone. But often that alone environment is where God it get, it get, gets away all the distractions and the noise, whether it be music or podcasts or phone calls or text messages or emails, whatever it is. We need that time away so that we can encounter God. We need the ability to hear his voice clearly and what that looks like. Friends, it's not just me just have my me time. 
This is, you know, like <laughs> mommy or daddy time, you know, getting away from the kids. But this is actually time where we do spiritual battle. We get alone with God and we say, man, God, what are, what are you speaking to me? What are those? And for my life, those loud voices come often and I have to fight them and realize what is God saying to me? Jesus knew this, even in the midst of the crowds. He had massive crowds that come to him, right? There's all these people coming, wanting worship, wanting, wanting to crown him king. You know what he did? He would leave. He would go to the other side of the lake. He'd be like, okay, we're going over here, right? That seems crazy. Isn't there a lot of work to do? Isn't there a ministry? But no, he knew the, the priority to be alone with the Father. His, his doing for God, his mission never got outweighed by his being with God. Never did. We never see, there's no verse in the Bible where it says, and Jesus sprinted to the next village. It's not in there. It's not in there. He's not busy. He's not rushed. It seems he's going about his business. He has three years of ministry. He does what God asks him. He never, he always talks about himself in relationship to the father. He never does anything. He, he doesn't ask him to, but it, guys, that, that's formed in those times being alone with God. We see that time and time again, Jesus going to be the father. Guys, I know I hear this all the time. They're like, I don't have time for that. It seems like a little old school being alone, like out in the desert, like a desert moment. How prideful are we that if Jesus needs silence and solitude, where I think I don't need it. But I hear it all the time, and I know in my own life, I justify it where I don't need to be alone with God. I can do more. I can listen to more. I can learn more. I can have all these distractions on. But guys, if Jesus needed it, why? we need it. He's modeling for us how to go and be alone with the Father. Secondly, quiet prayer. Quiet prayer. We don't see Jesus like calling down fire from heaven. And even in those interactions we see in the Old Testament, you know, I love that passage about Elijah. He, all, everybody else is making all these crazy, rambunctious things, and he just says, God, just put your your glory on display. It's a simple prayer. It's a quiet prayer. Does your prayer life, is it, is it just pleading and begging God for things or can you just simply say, God, I'm here. What do you want to do? What do you want to say? In, in, in older traditions, sometimes this is called a breath prayer or a, a one word prayer. Friends, we could meet God every day if we just create some intentional space. Maybe it's a few moments at a time and maybe for me, it looks like I have a couple reminders in my phone. I have morning, lunchtime, evening. Then it pops up and it says daily office. And I have to choose in that moment. No matter what's going on in my world, do I choose to be with God for a few moments or am I too busy? Am I too busy? And friends, there's days I ignore that and I go about my day and I'm, I have to repent of that. But simply the best days I have are the ones where I just pause and say, God, I'm here. What do you want to do? He doesn't always say something, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm calmer. I'm peaceful. And I'm just listening. I'm just there to spend time with my heavenly father. Third, we see Jesus. He is full of scripture, full of scripture. John Mark Comer, the author of this book that we're kind of following, he said this way, the key is not just to think about scripture, but to think scripture. I know a lot of people that want to think about and argue and debate scripture and well, this and that and that doctrine, and that's all good and that's important. But Jesus is not trying to doctrinally um, shut down the devil. He just says, that's just not true. That's not true. And friends, if you're sitting here today and when temptation comes and you're like, wait, what's that verse? Uh, what's that Bible verse? What, what, did, what did Peggy tell me in base camp one time? Um, it's too late. It's too late. Because our habits and our, how we act, it, it's way too quick, but we gotta be able to recognize real for what it is and, and lies for what they are. Um, I, I talked to Kristen Freeby. She's one of our staff here. Um, you've seen her out there at the new crew table. Um, and she told me one time when she was trying out to be a bank teller, she said the way they train you to actually um, notif 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 notice counterfeit bills is they give you a big stack of money 
and then you start counting them, boom, 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 which I would be terrible at. But, and then once you do that so many times, you feel like the, what, what the fake one is, right? You're like, wait, that, that felt different. And then you look at it and then, you know, some kind of serial number, something's off. Friends, are we so accustomed to this? Do we know the word of God? Do we know what he says about us and his character, who his nature is? That when boom, 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 when we, we truth, 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 and all of a sudden we hit something, it's a lie, something we see in the news, something our kids say, it's something I hear at work, and it's like, what? that doesn't make sense. But friends, I find time and time again, I ask people, I'm like, hey, well, what do you think the word says? And they're like, I have no idea. Friends, we gotta get more accustomed, not just to know a bunch in our head, but that it gets deep in our hearts because Jesus, he spoke scripture. It, it seems that he just knew it. He would have been trained as a, as a young Jewish man to know, he would have memorized the whole Old Testament. Friends, do we know that? Or do you just say, oh, that's awesome. That's cool. That's what Jesus did. But guys, that's what we should do. You need to learn how to memorize scripture. I was talking to my small group, Michelle Oakland. Go, go talk to her. She'll help you memorize some scripture. We were talking about, she's like, this is what I'm memorizing right now. Man, it's beautiful to see the word in her life. Do you have people like that that will train you? Do you just take out like some note cards, learn word? Because guys, we need that in our lives. That might seem old school, but it's how we fight our battles. Can I share with you really quick how this gets real practical for me? Is that okay? All right, for me, my battle that I'm fighting right now, um, many of you guys know, um, we had our first kiddo back in July, Forrest, uh, Forrest Mercer Holloman, was born, um, our first kid, first, our, our son. Um, and man, Kayla and I have wanted to be parents for so long. It's been a long road and um, we're so grateful for our son. Um, he's beautiful and perfect in every way. I think we're gonna keep him. Um, <laughs> so dibs, we got it. We know um, we, we love him to death. Um, he's here this morning. And um, man, I just remember like, if you know this, probably the dads in the room are new parents, like, that baby comes out and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, you know? And, 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 and the battle that I've been fighting y'all is, is bedtimes. Okay, I told you, this is how I know this gets real for me, bedtimes, because, you know, as forced new parents, you know, you do all the things, you do the diaper and you get fed and I, I can't feed them and I don't know how to do that, but I can bedtime and we're doing the whole dance and we're singing the songs and, you know, we're running water and trying to give him, give, you know, all the little tricks, right? You're like, I did the drive thing, the dad drive, you know, taking the car and, you know, all that stuff. And, and guys, what I found that every night I would get so anxious because as babies do, they cry. And I, did, I just would look at them and I'm like, I can't do anything. I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to, I can't do this. And the lies that come up for me, like I told you before, a lot of times the root in our history, in our past, right? I got my own bag of dad wounds, father wounds and absent fathers. And, and, and for me, all those come trickling back, right? Because the enemy knows me well. And those moments with me just hold my son, I, I start to hear these lies of, if you were really a good dad, you'd be able to do this. Well, you should be able to do this, Logan. Come on. You know, and all those things. And some of you guys are like, I know what that feels like. And what I realized is I had these lies I was believing where it was like, you're a bad dad. It'd be better if you weren't here. See, you're, you're not cut out for this. And you know how I coped with that? And I'm really, I have to say this as I repent before you guys is I tried to isolate. I tried to go away. You know, I found myself scrolling on my phone, avoiding bedtime, cutting the grass at random hours. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm just doing things because I want to avoid it because I don't want to deal with that. So you know what? I'll isolate myself. I'm going to take myself away from my family. And I wanted to put my you know, it was, an, it was an attack on my identity because I like to be productive. 
I like to get things done. You know what? I couldn't help my son out. You know what? And I was like, well, I'm going to fill that need some other way. So I'm going to get all these things. I was always like, you need some of the store? I'll go. You know, and I was like, I was running out. And, you know, like my wife often does, I think the Holy Spirit speaks to me mostly through those closest to us. And it's my wife. And she's like, Logan, what are you doing? I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you're running. You're avoiding. I was like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? I'm just getting the grass cut. I'm getting the mail. I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the dishes. She's like, no, you're not being with us. And your son, you can't make him do anything. He just needs you. He needs your presence. He needs you there with him. As hard as it is, he needs you there with him. And friends, I'm so grateful for that advice because it's true. And um, we've had a, a really sweet moments. It was actually right after that, we had a night where like, you know what? He's fighting, ah, and then like, he just fell asleep on me. And it was just like this moment of like, oh, wow, I'm missing out on this. Friends, if I need that time, my son needs that time with me, how much more do we need that time with our heavenly father? And how much I want to spend time with my son, how much more does our heavenly father want to spend time with us? You don't think that that's going to change, that, that, that that's going to change us, that environment. So what, what we do now is, is we have guy time. We, have a, we call it guy time. So by, by the morning time, my wife is very tired. Um, she's done an excellent job, you know, feeding the baby and everything. But, but early in the morning, she's like, I need to take a couple, I need a nap. I'm like, all right, sign me up. You know what? And I did. I said, man, you know what? I'm going to start fighting some of these lies and pushing back on this. And you know what? I invited my son into that quiet time with me. So I got my coffee going and I get him, you know, and the sun's just barely coming up and I just hold him and I look at him and and friends in that environment, what I realize is I'm, I'm standing up and I'm fighting some of my lies in my life. Because I look at him and I'm going, man, I just, he just needs me. He just needs me with him. And then I share truths with him. I do. It's in that presence that I get to share intimate truths. I think as dads, we get this amazing um, role to, to remind our kids who they, who they are and whose they are. If there's any parents in the room, I want, your, I want to encourage you would you remind your kids of who they are and whose they are? Because I get to look at my son every morning. I'd say, buddy, you know, we love you. And he don't know. He's just looking at me, you know, and like poopy diapers and all, you know, he's just looking at me and I go, son, I, I love you. And your mommy loves you. And I speak over words over him. I say, man, you're going to be a kind, gentle, courageous man. I pray that over him. and I, I pray the fruits of the spirit over him. And I say, but all that we love you, your heavenly father loves you that much more. And I'm telling them that truth day after day after day. And I got to believe that God's going to do something in that environment. It's changing me. Or it's not, I don't bring anything to the table. I just get to tell them who Jesus is and tell them I love them. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's what I got so far. But that's where I'm standing, guys. That's how I fight my, my battle. I'm standing firm against that. Ephesians 6 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, we put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm. Folks, that's how I get to fight my battles this week. It's a day-by-day thing. I don't just get to claim Ephesians 6 for one time and then I don't have any troubles in this world. Jesus was tempted in every way. We will be tempted in this world. You will have temptations. But will we, like Jesus, stand firm and practice the ways of Jesus when those temptations come? When those lies do come knocking, what will we do?
Let's watch this video together. Nobody really knows me. I'm not worthy of being known or loved. God knew you even before you were conceived. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God doesn't really love me. God is not distant and angry, but the complete expression of love. We know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Life does not have any true meaning. I just need to be happy. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committed to us the message of reconciliation. My pain and suffering in this life is God punishing me. Jesus is with me in the midst of my darkest days. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I can't be forgiven. I've gone too far. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Friends, maybe you saw one of your lies that you believe this week on that screen. And I hope that you heard God's truth and you were reminded again this morning that as we worship and you hear the word this morning that you're reminded of who you are and whose you are. There's a lot of lies out there that we gotta weed through and we gotta figure that out, right? And that's a daily battle, guys. I hate to say it, but that, that's, a, that's a reality of this world. Until the Lord comes back, we get to fight this battle, but guess what? Jesus fought this battle too and we get to fight it alongside him. So here's, here's my challenge. This is, this is the way I see it. We got two options, okay? When you're tempted, because you will, you'll be tempted before you have lunch today by something, be tested in some way. Am I gonna stand in quiet trust in God's love and wisdom? Am I gonna follow Jesus' model? Am I gonna do what Jesus did and stand firm like Ephesians 6 says when we're, or am I just going to go at it alone? And I think, it, folks, what I realize about my life is I got to admit when I'm wrong. I got, the end of myself is where healing begins. Like I got to say, this ain't working that great. And so I got to believe that there's some people in here this morning that, you know what? Can I just ask you really honest? How's it going? Like, how's it working? Like, are you, doing, are you so full of life and peace like we saw in those passages in Rome, Romans? Or are you just kind of crawling in here today? And maybe if you haven't given Jesus a shot, maybe today's the day. 
Maybe today's the day. Maybe it's the day to re-up. Maybe today's the day to come forward and pray with somebody. Get, you know, encounter God once again. Are we going to stand in quiet trust, knowing that when the battle does come, I'm standing, but I'm locking arms with saints and believers in this room, but also with our Savior, that he does the same with us. He says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Or do we want to go out alone? The choice is yours, guys. I wish I could make the choice for you, but I can't. It's your choice to make every single day. Which will it be? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning and we just, we just pause that this is a holy moment, that you, you love your children. Lord, I love four so much. And Lord, I have a hard time imagining you love them even more than I do and his mom does, but Lord, you do. And I know you love every single person in this room watching online. And we're missing out if we just don't carve out time to be with you, Lord. I know it sounds so simple. You're asking us to be alone with you and to quiet our minds and just just simply say, God, I'm I'm here for you. I want to be with you. And I encounter scripture, Lord. Those are just a couple of really practical ways we can meet you. But Lord, we're missing out if we think my way is better than yours. God, I confess my way is not better than yours. Thank you for humbling me in that. Thank you for showing me that each day. Thank you for healing these areas of my heart and continuing to do, Lord. And I pray for healing and breakthrough for everybody in this room that they would really just encounter you again, maybe for the first time or first time in a long time, Lord. Would be people come and experience how much you care for them, Lord. Would that be a, an outlet of an outreach for those around us, Lord? I believe that when we do that internal work, when you change us, people experience it and they know it. Our colleagues, our roommates, our families, everybody around us in our lives. So Lord, would you begin that this morning? We thank you for meeting with us. Speak to us again. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.